You're listening to the Dwell on These Things podcast, a regular dose of Christ-centered encouragement to put your mind in a better place. Listen in as Pastor John Stonge shares Bible studies, interviews, training, and some of his most recent sermons. We're glad to have you with us today. So this morning, as uh, we look at the scripture together, uh, we're going to be doing two things. First of all, we're going to be looking at a very appropriate portion of scripture for Mother's Day, but also very conveniently, or maybe on purpose, uh, we timed the end of our series in Proverbs so that Proverbs 31 conveniently landed right on Mother's Day. Because in Proverbs chapter 31, we are given a portrait of a godly woman that I think is useful not just for women, it's useful for men as well, because what we're seeing is effectively a portrait of godliness, what it looks like to be the type of person who puts the Lord first in your life and then displays that with godly character toward those that the Lord has blessed you with the opportunity to interact with. So if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31, and I'm going to pick up at verse 10 in just a moment, and then I'll read right down to the end of the chapter. Proverbs chapter 31 And uh, we'll pick up at verse 10. And this is what it says. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands, she opens her hand to the poor, and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates while he sits among or when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works bring her and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to look at your word together today. And we're grateful for this picture that you paint for us, this portrait that you give to us of what a godly woman looks like and how a godly woman has a positive impact on all the lives that ultimately come in contact with her. 
And so, Lord, we pray that as we see this picture and as we understand more about what you've revealed to us in Proverbs chapter 31, we pray that we would understand more about your heart. We pray that we would understand more about what it means to try to mirror your compassion and try to mirror your love, because we certainly see that very thing on display in this portion of your word. So, Lord, again, we're thankful for the privilege to be able to look at these things together. We pray that you'd speak to our minds and our hearts this morning as we gather and look at your word, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the book of Proverbs, which we've been going through for for quite a few months at this point now, I think we've been going through the book over the course of the past nine months. So, I don't know if it's felt like nine months to you, but I believe it was about nine months ago when we first started our series in the book of Proverbs, and today we're finishing it up. But you've noticed as we've been working our way through this book, that the book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom in all category, all, all categories of life. It doesn't matter what category you pick. Whichever one you pick, there's some wise counsel in the book of Proverbs related to that category. In this book, we're taught about the importance of trusting in the Lord. We're taught about the importance of living a godly life. We're shown multiple times throughout the course of the book what it looks like to demonstrate honesty and demonstrate integrity. That comes up frequently. We also see all throughout the course of the book the importance of practicing good financial stewardship and then also filtering out the influence of anyone who attempts to steer us in an ungodly direction. Those are some of the main themes that we can see at work all throughout the book of Proverbs, and we've spent a lot of time taking a look at these things. And I don't know if you caught this, but I want to point something out to you, because when you look at the early chapters of the book of Proverbs, there's some cautionary words there. And the cautionary words that were given early in the book of Proverbs show some vivid examples that specifically relate to women, specifically the kind of women that we should not allow to gain a foothold in our day-to-day lives. So it's interesting that the book uses that as an example in the early chapters and then comes full circle at the end of the book to give us an example of the kind of woman that every single person on the face of this earth could look to as an example of godliness and an example of wise living. Now, the words of this proverb that we're looking at here were first taught to a man named King Lemuel. If you looked earlier in this chapter, you would see this, but it was taught to King Lemuel by his mother. So those of you that are moms, have you tried to give counsel to your, to your sons about the kind of, of woman to marry, uh, the kind of woman to date? Do you ever give that kind of counsel? Are they listening to you? Because they should listen to you. King Lemuel listened to his mom. All right, and uh, it's interesting on this Mother's Day to be able to look at this portion of Scripture. These were words, these were concepts, these were ideas that were taught to King Lemuel by his mother. She was trying to make sure that he hung around with the right kind of lady, that he, uh, that he connected himself to the right woman. And it's interesting because we know nothing else about King Lemuel and nothing else about his mother. There's nothing else I could tell you about them because it would just be a guest. You know, historians have have guessed all throughout the years, uh, you know, little things about them, and and they wonder different things, but we actually don't know. There's nothing more certain that I could say to you than the words of this proverb that were communicated to Lemuel by his mother and then communicated to us in this scripture. But the Holy Spirit has been using these words and using these ideas and using these concepts for centuries 
to help people understand what it looks like to take your life in a godly direction. If you're a woman, listen to the counsel here. If you're a man, listen to the counsel here, because it's useful to all of us. So what does this proverb teach us about the life and the character of a godly woman? Well, it actually shows us a lot of things. And one of the things it shows us right away is that she can be trusted. A godly woman can be trusted. Let me reread verses 10 through 12. It says this, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, I have to say, one of the things that I appreciate most about our Lord is that everything he says is true about whatever subject, about whatever concept, everything our Lord says is true. Scripture teaches us, in fact, when you look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, that it's impossible for God to lie. It's not even a possible thing for him to do. It would violate his nature, and he can't violate his nature. It is impossible for God to lie. He is true. And so if we claim to be followers of Christ who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, we too should reflect the truthful heart of God in all matters, in all areas, and in all contexts. And the honest and trustworthy heart of God, when you look at this portion of Scripture, it shows us that, that, that the heart of God is reflected in the life of a godly woman. The Scripture describes her in a variety of ways. The Scripture tells us that the godly woman is excellent, that the godly woman is precious. I love when it says her husband is able to trust her completely. In all matters and in all areas, he doesn't have to worry about what she's doing. He doesn't have to worry about who she's with, what she's spending, what she's saying. All of these things are just areas where her husband is able to just trust her completely. And his heart can rest knowing that his wife's heart is in alignment with the trustworthy heart of Christ. I actually heard something rather sad recently about a couple that I thought, you know, from all external circumstances, seem to be experiencing a healthy marriage. But in in their particular context, um, I I know of a a husband who has a trustworthy wife, and yet he refuses to trust her. And I think to myself, why is that? You know, why is that going on? And basically, some of the backstory to it is he experienced some relational damage in the past before he knew her, long before he even knew her. But now what he's doing is he's transposing some of his pain upon her. And he treats her with distrust because of his past trauma. And I think to myself, in essence, he's robbing himself of experiencing the kind of blessing that the Lord has really given him. And he's robbing himself of experiencing the kind of blessing that's described in the opening words of the section of Proverbs 31 that we're looking at here where it talks about The fact that the godly woman, her husband can trust her completely in all matters and in all areas. And I'm watching him rob himself of that blessing and rob himself of that privilege. By the way, when you get married, you're taking a big risk to trust somebody else with your life. Admittedly, right? It's a pretty big risk. Possibly the biggest risk you've ever taken, other than eating some food that you've purchased from the rollers at gas stations. That would be number two right? Roller food, number two, number one, who you marry, right? It's a big risk. You can't control what they do. You can't control the type of life that they lead. But what you can do is you can be trustworthy in your interactions with them, right? You can't control what anyone else does, but you can decide to reflect the heart of of Christ by being trustworthy to your spouse, And as Christ can be trusted, 
And as the godly woman in this proverb demonstrated that she was filled with trustworthiness, so too should we display the trustworthiness and the integrity of Christ in all our interactions, whether it be with our spouse, whether it be with people that we interact with on a daily basis, even as we're interacting with our children. That should be one of the core tenets of how we interact with other people in our home because it's demonstrated to us in the character of our Lord because it's impossible for him to lie. And we see that also demonstrated here in a vivid illustration through the life of the godly woman. And it's a great example for us that we can emulate as well. This proverb tells us something else about the godly woman. She isn't afraid of work. Now, look at what it says when you look at verse 13 and the verses immediately following. It says, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is still yet night. By the way, um, moms, have you had a full night's sleep since uh, the Lord blessed you with kids? Have you had that? Remember when you used to sleep through the night? It's over. Because as soon as they grow up, then you're going to get grandkids and you're going to stay up at night anyway, right? It doesn't matter. It's just generational lack of sleep, right? But it says, she rises while it is yet night. She might as well, right? She's thinking about those she loves. It says, and provides, provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Now, my wife is downstairs, so she won't hear me say this until she accesses the recording of this later today. But if you ever want to see my wife smile and then immediately roll her eyes, ask her to tell you about all the painting projects that she has helped me with over the course of our married life over the past few decades. Just ask her, right? Between the houses that we've lived in or the ministries that we've served in, we have done a significant amount of interior and exterior painting. And in fact, one of our children actually mentioned to us just a few months ago that when we were painting a room in our house, we were painting the basement. And uh, as that smell of paint was kind of filling that area, uh, our daughter said that the, the smell of paint is the primary smell that reminds her of her childhood. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, if you ever thought, what's the smell that reminds you of your childhood? Some of you are thinking about baked goods. Some of you are thinking about spring flowers. Well, our daughter, it's paint, you know, latex-based paint. So, you know, hopefully not too bad to breathe in, but just the same. She said, the smell of paint reminds me of childhood. But all that to be said... Um, I'm grateful for the work ethic of my wife, who no matter what project I have immersed myself in, she's always been right there serving. And you know this, right? You've known her for a long time, and you could testify to this. Everything I invest myself in, she always invests herself in as well and makes it 10 times better than if I tried to embark on it by myself. And that's something that you can see demonstrated in Proverbs chapter 31 when you look at the words that are stated here. The godly woman in this passage is spoken of as a woman who works with willing hands. That's how she's described. She works with willing hands. She is not afraid of work. She makes great use of materials, it tells us. She, great, she makes great use of tools. She's doing all sorts of interesting things there. It tells us she rises early to feed her family. She also rises early to, to take care of those who are under her oversight. She's even described as being a shrewd business person as she transacts in land purchases. We have a few women in the congregation this morning that are involved in real estate, right? Realtor, realtor, right? When you look at this, are you like, is that your life verse? You know, if you're, if you're a realtor, you know, is that your life verse? You look at this and you see that the godly woman 
is making all sorts of land purchases, right? And facilitating these things. But this is how Scripture describes the godly woman. She's doing all sorts of things. And I'll tell you what, there is a certain sense of dignity in hard work. There's dignity in it. Now, let me say this about that, though. We don't work to earn God's favor, right? You don't have to earn the favor of God. That's not the point of the work that we do as believers. So if you're a godly woman who works hard, you don't do so to earn the favor of God. You do so for another reason. As believers in Christ, what we do is we work to glorify the Lord as an investment in the greater work of his kingdom. We work as those who have been served by the Lord. We joyfully serve because it's an act of worship. Work is actually an act of worship. It's not, a, it's not an act of, of us trying to earn the favor of God, but it's basically a way that you could use your life to express appreciation to God by using the talents and the gifts and the time that he's given you to glorify him in the specific area that he allows you to be his ambassador. And you see that here in the life of the godly woman. And I see that mindset in the work and in the labors of godly women all throughout the course of my life. This is something that they exemplify. They are not afraid of work. They joyfully serve others for Christ's glory. Something else this portion of Scripture brings up, and by the way, we got more points in today's message than like a porcupine, right? Um, But... The third thing that this portion of Scripture brings up, and by the way, don't you think it deserves to be kind of a a multifaceted message when we look at the things that the Scripture gives to us as a portrait of a godly woman? Can't you look to your life and even in your childhood acknowledge the fact that it was many godly women that the Lord placed in your life that actually shaped the kind of person that you are right now? I can testify to that very openly and very clearly. And when you look at verses 17 down to verse 19... It tells us that the godly woman carries herself with poise and with dignity. Look at how it's described here. It says, she, dis- she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Now, have you ever had the opportunity to meet somebody who was not anything like what you perceive them to be at a distance? You ever have that experience where you kind of know somebody from a distance, but then you meet them in person, and they aren't really exactly what you thought they were going to be like because you only knew them at a distance? Earlier this year, several months ago, I had the opportunity to meet somebody that I've known for a while in a variety of contexts, uh, but never really face-to-face. And from a distance, she seemed very serious and very mature to me. And then when I had the opportunity to meet her in person, I was left with the exact opposite impression. And I thought, all right, this, my, my impression of this person has drastically changed now that I've had the opportunity to interact with them in person. But one of the things that I notice here about the godly woman is that a godly woman is not clothed with immaturity. A godly woman is not clothed with just immature mindsets or immature actions or immature, um, you know, attitudes. She's dressed with strength. She demonstrates poise. She demonstrates dignity. She's the type of person that exceeds the impression that you had of her when you only knew her at a distance. The more you get to know godly women, the more impressed you become with them because they carry themselves with poise. They carry themselves with dignity. And you can see that demonstrated here when you look at these verses from Proverbs 31. But then it goes on to tell us additional things, that she proactively meets the needs 
of other people. Look at verse 20 down to verse 22. It says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. I love that portion of scripture. The other day I was reading something online and it was a story of a younger child that started saving up some money that she had earned from doing various household chores. So she was doing all sorts of chores around the household and and it was kind of above and beyond. And so her family decided, we want to reward you with an income from this. We want to actually pay you money for doing the different chores that you were doing. And so this young girl was saving up this money and saving up this money. And she didn't tell anyone what she was saving it up for. She was just doing extra chores, working extra hard, and then saving up more money and putting it aside, putting it aside. And then finally, she got to a, a, a point in time where she had saved up a specific amount that apparently was the amount she was targeting. And when she saved that specific amount, she asked her mother to take her to the store. And so her mother agreed to do so. And her mother took her to the store. And when she was at the store, she said, all right, I'd like to buy uh, a, a bunch of water bottles. So that was the first thing that she bought. And it's like, all right, what's the plan here with this? But they honored their daughter's request. The mom took her to the store, let her buy the water bottles. And then the next thing she said, I'd, I'd like to buy a bunch of individually wrapped bags of potato chips, the small individual bags of potato chips. And so her mother was like, all right, let's get the individual bags of potato chips. And so she got those. And then she said, all right, with the money that I have left, I just kind of want to round it out by buying other individually wrapped snacks. So help me pick out some individually wrapped things and we'll kind of put them all in the cart. And, and if I have enough here, then, uh, then we'll make the purchase. So they made the purchase. And then her mother said, all right, now what? Like, what's the plan here? And she said, I'd like you to take me to the park. And it was specifically the park in their community where the homeless tended to hang out. And she said, all right, and then I'd like you to just come around with me and let's just give these out until we run out. So she gave them out to the homeless. This, I think the girl was nine years old. She gave them out to her home, the homeless with, her help, with help from her mother. And, you know, the individually bags, individual bags of chips, the snacks and the bottles of water until she ran out. And then other people found out she was doing it. And so they gave her more money to buy more. And so apparently they're going to do this for a little while here and just kind of make this a pattern and a practice. And I like that, especially in light of what it just told us in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 20 down to verse 22, because it shows us that a godly woman demonstrates that kind of heart. That's exactly the kind of heart that little girl was demonstrating. A godly woman demonstrates that kind of heart. It's a heart of compassion. It's a heart that notices the needs of other people. It's the heart of Christ, isn't it? Is that not what Christ has demonstrated to us? He's demonstrated to us a heart of compassion. And what Christ did for you and for me is that he looked at you and I with compassion during our season of need, knowing that we could not supply what we needed for ourselves on the deepest level. Christ looked at you and he looked at me and he said, only I can supply what you need. So he supplied it. He gave of himself so that we could trust in him and experience victory over sin, Satan, and death that Christ offers to all who trust in him. He meets our needs on the deepest level. And when you look at this example here from Proverbs 31, it demonstrates to us that a woman who is seeking to live a godly life, a woman who is seeking to honor the Lord with the life that she's been blessed with, operates with that same kind of mindset. She operates with that kind of heart. She opens her hands to the poor, the scripture tells us. She generously shares what she has with those who are in need. 
She's motivated by Christ to be the hands and feet of Christ to those who need a gift of grace. That's a great example for us. It's the type of thing that I believe was motivating that nine-year-old girl that I was reading about. But it's the type of thing that should motivate each and every one of us as well. And the example that we're given here in Proverbs 31 is of a person, a woman specifically, who's putting this into action. And I believe that it demonstrates the heart of Christ in a very tangible way. And I love when you look at this portion that we just read, how it also shows us that she doesn't need to worry about the well-being of her household. She's not worried about it. She doesn't have to worry about it because she knows that their needs have been proactively met. Those needs have already been accounted for. Those needs have already been thought through and proactively met. It can snow, but that's okay because they're properly clothed. They've got what they need. So it can snow. It's fine. They're ready for that. They've anticipated that. She's prepared for it. Her care and her provision. Think about what happens. You don't even realize this until you don't have it, right? But what what happens? Like, Think about these experiences you've had with your mom. Her care and her provision, you take it for granted until it goes away, but her care and her provision allow you to grow up and just kind of rest because certain things are taken care of. You don't even have to set an alarm. Why? Because she'll wake you up. You know, yesterday I noticed, I hope my son doesn't mind me saying this, he's in Virginia right now, so unless he checks the live stream, if he's watching right now, morning son. (laughs) Um, But uh, yesterday I noticed that he had a rugby game and uh, Andrea and I were sitting together in the family room, and then she looked at her watch, and then she got up, and I was like, what are you doing? And she said, well, Jay just finished his rugby game, and I know he's about to make the drive down to Virginia in a little bit, and so he's not, he doesn't have a lot of time to make the switch here, so I'm just going to get up and, and prepare him some food. I'm going to make him a sandwich so he could just grab it and eat it real quick and then get on the road so he drives mostly in daylight. That's some good momming right there, Right? Like that, and that's the type of thing that I see when you look at Proverbs chapter 31. Where's her mind trained? She's thinking for the benefit of those she loves. She's proactively meeting the needs of other people, whether it be somebody that has a, a visible need because they're in a downtrodden season of life or because it's just a child that she cares for. So she interrupted her time of, of relaxation, just sitting down so that she could get up and make somebody food so that they would be energized for a long drive that they had ahead. And you look at this portion of Scripture, and you see that her care and her provision for those that she loves actually allows them to rest, because so many details are being taken care of for them. And isn't that much like what we experience when we meet the Lord? Because He's always meeting our needs, and He's meeting our needs in ways that we couldn't always even anticipate. And in Christ, what do we find? We find rest. My soul can rest in Christ because he's meeting my deepest needs. My soul finds peace in Christ because he's meeting my deepest needs. He is graciously and proactively giving me and you all that we need for life and godliness. I love what it tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It tells us about the Lord's provision. Think about what he's giving to you and to me. There it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So again, what has he given us? He's given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness, it says in other translations. But the point being, needs are being proactively met. And when a godly woman is proactively meeting the needs of those that she loves, 
She's actually in a very visible and tangible way demonstrating the very thing that Christ has done for us. Something else a godly woman does is this. By the way, this message today goes till about four o'clock. So, you, you know, it's very, it's very long, but I'm just going to, I don't want to skip anything. All right. Some of you are like, he's kidding, right? Those of you that are new. No, I'm not. No. She makes you look good to your peers. Think about that. She makes you look good to your peers. It says in verse 23, it says, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. Isn't that a great statement? She laughs at the time to come. It's like, what calamity is coming next? That's cute, right? When I was in college, I worked during the semesters. I had two jobs that I worked during the semesters. I was a youth director at a church in Hapro, Pennsylvania, and uh, I, was also, I also managed a snack shop on campus, so I made food for people. I made sandwiches. I made burgers. I made fries. Those of you that know how little I cook are laughing right now, thinking like, wait, you had a job cooking food for people? I wasn't like super skilled at it. It wasn't hard food to make, but yes, I spent time making food for people. And so I would do that during the semesters, but during the summers, I would tend to work at summer camping ministries. And my task in summer camping ministry tended to be pretty similar what I was doing year to year, but my location changed along the way. I worked at a couple different places. I actually worked at two camps and volunteered at a third. So I, I guess I was kind of into camping ministry, right? But I remember one particular year. It was, right, it was the summer right after my junior year of college. And that year, I was offered a program director position at, uh, at three camps. At three different camps, I was offered a program director position. And one of those camps happened to be the camp that my wife grew up at and that she had worked at for a season of time. And the interesting thing about being offered that job from that specific camp was the fact that they didn't know me very well. They only knew me a little bit, but they didn't know me well enough to really offer me that position. And I remember when I found out that they were genuinely offering me that role, I, I realized why this was going on. They were offering me that job because they knew my wife. Now, she wasn't my wife yet. She was my girlfriend. And and a year later, she became my wife. But at that point, I think their thinking was this, that if she was willing to date me, that that was sufficient uh, endorsement. I didn't need to fill out their... If, if Andrea was willing to date me, they were like, well, if she picked him, then I guess it's okay. And they li I literally was offered a job, not even based on my reputation. It was based on my wife's reputation. I thought that that was very interesting at the time. I thought that's kind of a big risk for an organization to take, but they literally offered me that because they knew and appreciated her. And we see that same concept right here in Proverbs chapter 31. We're told that the husband of the godly woman was known at the gates when he would sit among the elders. So think about that just for a second. I know that our culture is a little different in how we operate, but at the time, what was going on? You know, the husband was known at the gates when he would sit among the elders. Why was he known at the gates when he would sit among the elders? That was a position of respect in that culture. That was a position of esteem in that culture. 
at the gates, what would happen is that the elders would gather. So the gates of the city would be where the elders would gather and they would make decisions. And they would have conversations and they would make judgments and they would settle disputes for people. If you had a concern that you couldn't settle, you could bring it to the gates of the city and ask the elders to give counsel and then trust the ruling that they gave on the particular subject that you were bringing up to them. And to be welcomed among that elite group means that you were a respected man. So if they welcomed you among them at the gates of the city, among the elders, meant you were a respected man. And a major contributor to a man experiencing that kind of respect in that culture, in that generation, and in ours in our own way, is the godly character of his wife. The godly character of a wife can give a man that kind of esteem and respect among his peers. She makes you look good among your peers. That's what a godly woman does. She reflects the heart of Christ so clearly that she makes anyone that she's willing to associate herself with look better than they ever could on their own. And that's what we see demonstrated here in this portion of of this uh, proverb. How about this? Another thing it tells us is that she genuinely and generously shares her wisdom. It says in verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You've heard me say this probably multiple times, but one of the wisest women I've ever had the privilege to know was my grandmother. She's one of the wisest women I've I've ever had the privilege to know. There are so many things that I learned from my grandmother that she specifically took the time to teach me, which I genuinely appreciate, but so many things that I still implement in my day-to-day life. They've just become like a code of ethics from me. Even before I read the Bible, she was preaching the Bible to me and modeling the Bible to me. And uh, the things that she passed on to me, the wisdom that she passed on to me are the type of things I try to live out and also type of things that I try to pass on to my children and to others as well. But in my grandmother, what did I see? I saw a woman who loved Jesus, saw a woman who loved her family deeply, and she wanted the generations that came from her to do well and succeed. And she was not shy about telling you what's up. She was a little lady that didn't hesitate to get in your face with love. And so you just took it. If she gave it, you took it. And then you learned something if you kept your ears open. And that's another mark of a godly woman. We see it here in this portion of scripture. When she opens her mouth, she speaks with wisdom. Kind words flow from her tongue. As one who is conscious of the love of Christ, she breathes out the grace of Christ with the words that she speaks There's one last thing that I want to point out from Proverbs 31 this morning, and that's this. Those who love her speak well of her. Those who love the godly woman speak well of her. Look at what it says in verse 27. I'll read right down to the end of the chapter. It says, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Recently, two friends of mine, separately, which is kind of great, 
They did me a favor that certainly met with my wife's approval. I really appreciated that they did this, but neither of them knew they were doing this. They just did this because they felt compelled to do so. But they both separately messaged my wife to tell her some nice things I had said to them about her when I was in their presence. And I was just talking about Andrea and and shared a few things that I genuinely appreciate about her. And apparently, and and I don't know exactly why it's stuck in both of their minds, but they both separately shared something with her that she was able to hear and see. And I have to tell you, that was a really great experience for me because when your wife finds out that you've been talking nice about her to your friends, um, that really goes well. So I, I was really grateful that that they did that, and um, I, I think, like, I could goof up, like, 35 things, you know, over the next, like, week, but because they did that favor for me, um, I'm, like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in good stead right now, uh, but no, I really, and I meant every word that I said, though, that's the honest truth, like, I meant every word that I said, and apparently it's stuck in their mind so much that they actually messaged Andrea to say, can I just tell you what your husband just said about you? Now, that could be a dangerous statement, right? You know, like, like you really want, that really piques your interest. Can I tell you what your husband just said about you? And, uh, and she, was, she said, hey, I got to let you know some, some info I received on you. I was like, uh-oh, what? She said, no, it got back to me, the things that you said about me, and I really appreciate it. And even though, as followers of Christ, we're living to give Christ praise, Right? You know, as we're gathering to worship this morning, as we sing our songs, as we look at the scripture, even as we look at a, an example of, of a godly woman whose life has been touched by the Lord, our lives are being spent how? You know, as followers of Christ, we live to give him praise. You know, that's, that's the goal of your life. That's the goal of my life. But I'll tell you what, it should not surprise any woman who devotes her life to following Christ, who devotes her life to blessing others, who devotes her life to serving people in Christ's name. It should not surprise such a woman when she ends up receiving praise and appreciation from those that she has been serving. You should not be shocked when it comes your way because it's well-deserved. And the scripture here tells us that her children rise up and speak well of her, that her husband also does the same, that he speaks well of her. Because a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's what the scripture tells us. Now, I've got to tell you, I am sincerely grateful for the godly women that the Lord's blessed me with the privilege of knowing all throughout the course of my life. And the list certainly includes my grandmothers, my aunts, my mother, my wife, even my daughters. That list also includes many, many godly women that have been part of our church family, and also godly women that were part of the the life of my home church. I have to tell you, most of the people that taught me theology and taught me the Bible when I was a child were women who volunteered in our home church and were a huge blessing to me and to my siblings. They taught me directly about Jesus. They gave me a glimpse of his heart. They did this through their words. They did this through their action. They did this through their character. There are many, many different things that I can see about my life that were fashioned and formed by godly women who took the time to invest in me. And I have to say, when you look at how creation operates, have you ever noticed that the Lord designed women, they seem to take a genuine interest in other people? then they seem to have a heart that really wants things to go well for you. 
And I have to say, one of the things I've noticed about women in their interaction with children, and I say this from my own experience, but just observing life as an adult, isn't it usually women who demonstrate a high degree of patience with children? So how do children, in many respects, actually end up knowing anything? Typically, it's because a woman started the conversation off by being patient with them and helping them get somewhere, right? And we look at that as men as well, and I think that that's a great example for us as men because I know as as a man, sometimes I can get pretty task-oriented, and so it helps me to observe the character of godly women that have made investments in my life and godly women that I see are doing a whole bunch of things right now, and I think, okay, it's good to be task-centered when you need to be task-centered, but don't also forget to be people-centered. And I think that that's part of God's design and how he's designed women to operate that is a blessing to culture and society and the world just in general. They notice people, and they care about people. And I actually think that that's, in essence, much of what's being said here in Proverbs 31. They notice people, they love people, and they make their lives better. I have to tell you, every time I serve on a board, and I've served on lots and lots of boards, and I've served on some boards that initially were all men, and that can be fine, but I notice that it actually changes the character of a board if you just add at least one woman to the board. And you know what happens? Everyone behaves a little bit better. Why do they behave? They speak a little bit nicer. They listen a little bit better. And they actually sit a little straighter in their chair. So I've just noticed, and I I hope women, I hope you feel noticed and appreciated when we look at Proverbs chapter 31, because the Lord has created and fashioned you, and you are a gift to this world. And you can be an example of the heart of Christ in all kinds of areas. And when you look at a portion of Scripture like this, it's a very powerful reminder of how the heart of Christ can be demonstrated through a godly woman's life and how that just seems to bless everybody that interacts with her. Never underestimate the kind of impact that Jesus can make on the lives of other people through your life if you choose to faithfully surrender it to him. You just fully surrender it over to the Lord and then watch in amazement. You will be amazed at what he does in your life and through your life. Let him make you a portrait of godliness like we see demonstrated in Proverbs chapter 31. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and just for the privilege that it is to be able to look at a portion of scripture like this and to think about the things that you were trying to communicate. You inspired King Lemuel's mother to share these things with him, and then these words were written down, and now for centuries we've been reading them as your Holy Spirit inspired this teaching, and we've been thinking about these things, and we've been looking at all of this and really thinking about what it looks like to live a life of godliness. Lord, we're just so grateful for the examples that we're given here. We're so grateful for all the things that you teach us, and we're grateful for the godly women that you've placed in our lives that have had a noticeable impact on the quality of our life. And many of these women have pointed us directly to you, Lord. They've, they've demonstrated what it looks like to have the heart of your Son, Jesus Christ, and they've taught us what it looks like to know your Son and to follow you sincerely. So, Lord, we pray that this portrait of godliness that you demonstrate for us in Proverbs chapter 31 would really make an impression upon our minds, and it would really make an impression upon our hearts. 
uh, that we would just be grateful for the people that you've placed in our lives that have given us a glimpse of your character, specifically today, the women that we've seen that have done that very thing. So, Father, we thank you for these blessings. We thank you for this truth from your word, and we thank you for your love. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout Scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.